Welcome to the Financial Life Podcast with me, Ben Robel. This is episode 29. Thanks for tuning in. Before we get started, let me emphasize that I don't know you and you don't know me, so I'm not recommending anything in this episode. Instead, my goal is to ensure that you can make decisions in your financial life with as much context as possible. As we continue our journey exploring the concept of source of wealth, we're now turning our attention to a final example within the category of concentrated equity, public company stock. This time, we're not going to rely on a hypothetical character, but rather draw insights from a real-world example. Jamie Dimon, the CEO and chairman of J.P. Morgan Chase & Co., provides a compelling case study. Now, it's worth noting, I spent nearly a decade working at this institution. I never actually met Mr. Diamond, and I only came within 100 yards of him once during a town hall for all of the employees in our area. As of 2022, his base salary stands at $1.5 million, which is only slightly higher than his initial salary of $1 million in 2006. What sets Mr. Diamond apart, much like many of the executives at large publicly traded companies, are the substantial incentives he receives for steering one of the largest banks in the United States. In 2006, he earned an additional $26 million in the form of bonus compensation and restricted stock. Fast forward to 2022, and that figure has grown to $33 million. It's worth highlighting that when he assumed leadership at J.P. Morgan, the stock was trading at $40 per share, adjusted for stock splits and dividends. Today, December 5th, 2023, after the market close, that stock is trading at $157.96. In a regulatory filing from October, the Diamond family disclosed ownership of 10.6 million shares of J.P. Morgan, worth a stunning $1.7 billion. Now, you might be thinking that there are limited financial lessons to draw from someone with a net worth exceeding $1.5 billion. Indeed, neither Mr. Diamond nor his family will likely ever face financial hardship. However, there is valuable insight here that we can apply to our own lives. Tying executive compensation to stock performance is a long-standing practice designed to align the interests of shareholders and company executives. But unlike our previous two examples, private companies and real estate investors, equity compensation for publicly traded companies must be allocated to executives and leaders by the board. While there's an ongoing debate about the primacy of shareholder interest in today's financial system, the idea is that a higher stock price benefits all parties involved. Here's where the three examples of concentrated equity come together. Even with the substantial amount of wealth that his family has generated, if something were to occur that caused the J.P. Morgan stock price to drop significantly, the Diamond family would undoubtedly feel the impact. Furthermore, positions like Mr. Diamond's come with unique hurdles. He can't simply sell his stock at will. Any sales must be carefully planned and orchestrated to avoid insider trading or even the appearance of it. Now, in contrast to private company stock and real estate, publicly traded stock is easier for lenders to use as collateral because it can be sold quickly to other buyers. That means it's easier to borrow against it to plug an income gap. 
but large shareholders don't necessarily have limitless access to credit. Banks consider various factors, including the stock's price, its daily trading volume, and the position's size relative to that volume when considering a loan. So why doesn't everyone follow this path? There are a few reasons that I would highlight. First, running a large company involves significant bureaucracy, often diverting individuals from their primary roles and creating a layer of middle management and management in general. This is a reality I experienced firsthand during most of my career in financial services. Second, established companies are typically not hotbeds of innovation. They allocate substantial capital to their existing operations. If you want to innovate and challenge the status quo, you may find that large publicly traded companies aren't the best fit. This too is a reality that I personally experienced. Even a minor change can be a lengthy and complicated process in this environment. Lastly, during Mr. Diamond's tenure as CEO, JP Morgan's stock grew by 257%, while the S&P 500, which is a major US stock index that includes JP Morgan as a component, grew by 240%. This isn't to diminish the performance of either investment, but rather to emphasize that startups can achieve similar growth in a much shorter time frame. Of course, that growth also comes with much greater risk and therefore much greater potential reward. This overview of life within a public company, a world in which I was immersed for most of my 25-year career, underscores the unique challenges of holding a concentrated position in these kinds of companies. For those in leadership roles, every decision and resulting piece of compensation is scrutinized in the media spotlight. For those outside the executive suite who receive equity as part of their compensation, their level of control is much lower. They can find that in a large organization, their compensation can be impacted by factors far beyond their control. In private companies, which tend to be much smaller, most people will find themselves in much greater contact with the direct results produced by the organization. Similarly, direct real estate investors bear full responsibility for their results, for better or for worse. Thanks for listening. I hope this is context for you and your financial life.